0: Trapped in a killer's world. Guided by a madman's logic.
1: Searching for a victim's cry.
0: In February 1991, the scream of terror will be the sound of silence. The Silence of the Lambs from the terrifying bestseller
1: Welcome back to Horror Cult Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are finally at the end of our Halloween Classics episodes. Four episodes in, and that's it. Nearly at Halloween, two days away now. And uh, we've got a little bit of an unconventional one this week.
0: Yeah, um, I chose to discuss Silence of the Lambs. It's my favourite film of all time. And it is a weird choice, maybe, for uh horror, for uh, Halloween, because it's not necessarily a scary film, it's not a conventional horror film. I believe it's a horror film. Um IMDB doesn't. Uh doesn't actually class it as a horror film. It's a crime drama thriller. But I think there's plenty of horror elements to it. Yeah, I've
1: actually got a note down myself that IMDB doesn't class it as a horror film. Um, it, it, honestly, it's... I said this when we announced that we were doing this episode. It's like the whole, is Die Hard a Christmas film thing. Die Hard is a film w- that is set at Christmas. Therefore, yes, it's a Christmas film. Silence of the Lambs is a film that contains strong horror elements. It's a horror film. There's there's no, no way about it. This is definitely a horror well, film. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. I... I there's no doubt in my mind that this is a horror film, and the category that I chose this for was horror at the Oscars. Um. So I I think it's definitely a horror film. I think
1: it's also a milestone in horror filmmaking. I mean, this is you. This is. I think this is where a big change in horror came in once this was released. Because, I mean, this is coming off the back of, obviously, the 80s. This is released in 1991, so, you know, you're only two years into the 90s, and it's just coming off the back of where horror was mainly just slasher films.
0: Yeah, slasher, or it's sort of gone a bit cheesy, horror films. Uh, There were a lot of comedic horror films in the 80s, or, or very sort of camp horror so you get a film like this that takes, you know, the subject matter very seriously, It's a very serious film. I don't think we'll get many jokes out of this. Um, It's a very good film. There is a lot to discuss.
1: It's probably the most sophisticated film we've covered so far, probably the most sophisticated film we'll ever cover on this podcast.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's likely, yeah, that this would be the most sophisticated film. Um, and it did win five Oscars, uh, which is why it's in the horror at the Oscars category.
1: Yeah, and very well-deserved Oscars as well. We've got Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Director, and Writing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh,
0: Adapted Screenplay.
1: Yeah. I mean, all of those, you know, I mean, Best Picture, obviously, it's an amazing film. Actor and Actress... The performances are phenomenal in this film. Um, great directing. And yeah, it's so well written. And it's based on a novel by Tom uh, Thomas
0: Harris. Yes, based on a novel by Thomas Harris. A very popular novel. Um, yeah, I haven't read the novel, actually. I should read it. It's When I watch a film that's based on a novel, I, I find it really hard to then read the book. Because I just picture the um, the film. See, that's what happened
1: for me with Pet Cemetery this year. I, we watched it just after I finished the uh, the novel. And I was just... I mean, obviously, that's got another film as well. So I was half expecting stuff from that. But also, with things from the novel, I was just expecting things to happen. You kind of know what's going to happen. So it's one of those. Sometimes it's good to do it. But sometimes it just, I don't know, maybe
0: ruins, ruins things a little bit. Yeah, I, I've always sort of said uh i I'd, I'd rather read the novel before watching the film um that's not always you know possible
1: i think the whole when people say that uh films uh, films better than the books is based on or the books better than the film i think that whole thing's bullshit because at the end of the day it's two completely separate types of media i mean you can compare them with the elements they both include but mm, whether one could be
0: better than the other i don't know um, it's a difficult one because, obviously, a novel, you a good-sized novel, you're spending hours and hours and hours with these characters. Yeah. And to condense that down into an hour-and-a-half film, you're having to pick and choose mm-hmm. what, hence the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay existing. Yeah. It's taking the elements of the novel and creating a film out of that a good film.
1: Yeah. Which I, I mean you can say whether you prefer one thing or the other, but I think when you say that one is a better piece of media, what what the point I'm trying to get across is I'd rather compare a film with a film than a film with a book, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by
1: the way, if you hear noises, it's our asshole neighbors making noises again, <laughs> and it might also be fireworks as well.
0: Yeah, there are fireworks going on at the moment, so. So it's not pipes to Ghost <clears> this <throat> week. It it is actually uh just human beings being annoying. Yeah, and I, I've I've had a bit of a heavy weekend as well. So yeah, Chris
1: voice... uh, has been a bit hungover. Yeah,
0: so if my voice keeps going, then I, I apologize. You got us. If make it, it keeps it going weird, it, it should it should be fine. It should be fine. So, just uh, a few little fun facts about Silence of the Lambs uh we've just had a, a few, but um a few there a is few. so many there are so many there are so many but some that i'd I'd like to point out is um that Jodie Foster read Thomas Harris's novel and enjoyed it so much that she wanted to buy the rights to it. But Gene Hackman had already bought them. Oh, yeah. Gene Hackman bought it because he wanted to direct and star in it. Yeah, so he either wanted to be Jack Crawford or Hannibal Lecter. Um, But Then he saw himself at the Oscars um, for his nominated role in Mississippi Burning and didn't really want to do another violent film. So he passed on that in the end. And then it went to um, Ted Talley the Screenwriter and uh, Ted Talley wanted Jodie Foster for the role. Jodie Foster lobbied really hard for the role, she really wanted it. Um, Ted Demi came on as director and he wanted Michelle Pfeiffer, um, but Michelle Pfeiffer was asking for too much money, so it went back to Jodie Foster.
1: You know, you're saying Ted Demi? Yeah. Isn't his name Jonathan Demi? Oh,
0: yeah. Who's Ted Demi? <laughs>
1: Ted? Are you thinking of Ted Levine? Are you getting? I
0: have no idea. Is there a Ted? Dem- oh, I hope he's not like some weirdo. <laughs> Ted Demi. <laughs> Who's Ted? <laughs> oh, he was the director as well. Who? What did he direct? Um, Blow, Beautiful Girls, The Ref. All films I've never watched, so I don't understand <laughs> why. It could be because of Ted Levine. Oh no, Jonathan Demi is his uncle. Oh okay, so there's some sort of relation. So, yeah, but it's Jonathan Demi. My apologies, <laughs> Jonathan Demi. Yes. Uh, so Jonathan Demi had uh he directed, um, something wild with Melanie Griffith he directed he directed uh, stop making sense the talking heads film he certainly did very good film a lot
1: of new order music videos uh he did caged heat and he also did the remake of the manchurian candidate
0: he did do caged heat yeah because he was um discovered by roger corman yes i remember now so Um, the remake
1: of manchurian candidate might actually be good if yeah, it might. It.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love the original. That's one of my favourite films. Um, but yeah, have you got any interesting facts? I what do What do you have think a few. Of Michelle Pfeiffer in the role? Do you think...
1: I think Michelle Pfeiffer would have killed it and would have been better than Julianne Moore in the sequel to this. <laughs> <laughs> because as much as I do love Julianne Moore and Hannibal isn't the worst film... Her accent is so off putting in that film. Yeah. It, yeah, it's just it isn't the best. But you know, it's it's not an awful film. But that brings me to what I have got done about this. This is actually um a sort of sequel to Manhunter, which I haven't seen. Uh, Manhunter
0: I have seen and that's a very good film. Um, very good Michael Mann film. Brian uh, Cox's um Hannibal Lecter was not as good as Anthony Hopkins obviously, but it's still a good film that I recommend people check out. Well, it also
1: spawned uh, three sequels, one of which is Hannibal, and then there's Red Dragon and Hannibal Rising, I believe the third sequel is called, which I haven't seen either, but I have seen Red Dragon, and that is fantastic. Uh, it also had its own TV show, which I haven't seen.
0: I did I did watch the TV show up until a certain point, and um, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, that was way more, that was more horror then Silence of the Lambs. It had a lot more horror elements to it. Did you see uh, all the cooperation with the FBI with making this film? Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, there was a lot of cooper- uh, cooperation with uh, the FBI. The FBI thought that actually um, they could get something positive out of this and it would be a good advert for getting more females to join the FBI.
1: And there's also, um, obviously because this is inspired uh, by near enough a true story uh because well it is a true story but it's not you know specifically just based on that um but buffalo bill uh is based off a mixture of ed gean ted bundy and gary Heidnick. am i pronouncing that right serial sure killer um so yeah, it's based off real life serial killers and the relationship between uh clarice starlin and hannibal lecter is actually inspired uh, between the relationship of Robert Keppel and Ted Bundy, who, it was a sort of similar thing, They, this Robert guy needed to find a serial killer, so he's going through Ted Bundy to, uh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, Ted, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, like with that, that being one. said, uh,
1: like, it looks like all of the actors did so much research into their roles, um, like, talking to actual serial killers and people in prison and whatnot as well.
0: And yeah, yeah, it, it, it's... um. The FBI said that it, it's that certain elements aren't very accurate, and we'll get on to them. Uh, but as a whole, the film is very accurate to um, how the FBI works. And just on Ed, Ed Gein, um, he's inspired some cracking films, hasn't he? Yeah. I know he, obviously, he was a serial killer. I know. Um, I'm not praising him in any way, but he inspired Psycho and he inspired texas Chainsaw massacre
1: yeah the it's uh it's so strange how something so great could come from such a terrible yeah yeah terrible yeah. thing um did you know about uh, the the use of uh, characters looking into the camera and why that's done um i read a little something but remind me so whenever uh, someone's talking to clarice they look directly at the camera um the whole time but whenever clarice is talking to someone she looks slightly off camera but it's ever so slightly you've got to really look out for it um but this is so you get the point of view of clarice
0: she feels like the audience character throughout yeah and she she is you know our heroine she's our protagonist throughout the film she's the heart of the film um the afi the american film institute not the emo band um <laughs> the american film institute did their hundred uh heroes and villains and clarice came fifth on the heroes she was the highest ranking female and hannibal lecter was number one on the villains
1: i think there was another um similar thing as well with like 50 horror villains and he came number one on that as well yeah so
0: yeah,
1: yeah it's it's a film that's definitely had a, him- had a had a big impact
0: yeah, and um, we'll get on to whether he's actually the villain of the film or not. Yeah, because I I I do find there's a little bit of grey area there. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting even Jonathan thing. Demme brought up himself. Uh, yeah, so when he was casting, Anthony Hopkins, uh, when he was casting for Hannibal Lecter, he chose Anthony Hopkins based on his performance in The Elephant Man, and when he told Anthony Hopkins this. Um, Anthony Hopkins was taken back a little because he played such a nice character in The Elephant Man. Um, you're you're to see that, yeah, aren't you? Um, but he does. He he plays, you know, a really nice character in that film. And Jonathan Demi says, "Well, Hannibal Lecter's a good guy. He just has this other side to him that's completely insane."
1: Yeah, which I've, I think is actually explored a lot more in Hannibal. I think he's a lot more of a villain in that.
0: Yeah, because
1: he's obviously jumped on the horror icons bandwagon, and uh, I think they just made a film, so he could be a villain in it. Yeah,
0: yeah, and he is a villain. He's not a nice. You you know what? Yeah, but there is, is a nice. lot of
1: there's a lot of good to him. Like, I mean, he practically tells Clarice where the serial killer is.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's the big driving force yeah. to Clarice actually solving um, the crime and finding Buffalo Bill um, but we'll, we'll get on to yeah. that as, as so, we go through the film itself
1: yeah so we'll get on to the film now so the plot is a young FBI cadet must receive the help of a cannibalistic serial killer to help her catch another serial killer who wears skin of his victims so do you yeah. want
0: to start it off yeah so we start the film in the woods near Quotico Valley and we have Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling. Uh, she gets top billing in this film. And I think justifiably mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and she's running an obstacle course. Um, She's quite sweaty, isn't she? But she's determined. And uh, she's also alone. So she's doing this obstacle course. And it's just her. And we're introduced to her alone. And um, she's... I, I think there are uh, lots of parts of this film that give you a real key to Clarice Darling as a character. um, And I think this is one of... The fact that we're introduced to her alone on this obstacle course, I think that's very telling of the film that we're about to watch. Yeah. um, Her going ahead by herself. She's got no one helping her, you know. Mm-hmm. But she's there she's got grit she's got determination yeah and it's
1: a lot of clarice working hard again something else you're going to see throughout the rest of this film
0: yeah yeah she's definitely a slay queen definitely and we get that from the offset
1: so then she soon has a meeting with her boss who is uh mr crawford and uh, when she goes into his office she notices articles and pictures around there of uh of Buffalo Bill, which is the first bit of a hint we get about this character.
0: Yeah. So on, on her way into Jack Crawford's office, so she's been called to uh, Jack Crawford, who is essentially her boss. uh, And on her way, she enters an elevator full of men. And again,
1: yeah, that, uh, that stood out for me. Uh, It was like that, that, that moment was trying to prove a point. The one thing I'll say about, about Jonathan Demi is he, his method of filmmaking is really interesting because i mean not only does the film have so many extreme close-ups of faces when they're talking but other than that when he wants to get a point across he's not very subtle about it and i think it works really well yeah yeah it, it does. It, there is a bit of subtlety in it but at the same time it's not it, it does it's not it's very hard to explain like the bit where she goes to Buffalo Bill's house near the end, mm. and you see all the bits and bobs come together, how she realises.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it, it's things like that. It, it's not subtle, but it kind of is at the same time. It's,
0: yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to be read into this film, and there, there are particular scenes or images that can be read into massively. Yeah, this scene in the lift is definitely... Yeah, so she gets in this lift, and there's men... And she, she's quite short. Sure. You know, compared to these men, they're sort of towering over her. And you get it straight away, she's a woman in a man's world... Yeah. ...trying to make her way. There. And that's the brilliance of a film like this, mm-hmm. is that you don't have to hit us over the head. I know it's not particularly subtle, but you don't have to hit us over the head with Yeah. It. it can just be there. It's one moment at the beginning, but we look at it and we know, we know, oh, okay that's who she is yeah because there's so much plot going on in this film that you know it can't spend too much time on certain things yeah but it's so brilliantly you know shows us this you know we're we're not dumb people we can see it and we we get it
1: yeah absolutely yeah So then Crawford uh, explains to Clarice that she will be speaking to psychiatrist uh, serial killer Hannibal Lecter to basically get into his mind to
0: figure out who this Buffalo Bill is. Well, no, he doesn't say that clearly at the beginning. No, but that's
1: that's the impression you get. That's That's, what
0: she gets. He doesn't outright say it. So um, she's, she's still a student at the FBI. She's a top quarter of a class, so we know she's good. He's got an interesting errand for her, and that's to go speak to Hannibal Lecter to try and get some, any sort of information off of him, you know, to give him uh, a questionnaire to answer. And he calls it an interesting errand, so he's not saying it's anything specifically. Just, you know, see what you can get and um feed it back to me yeah whatever i think no again specifics.
1: i think the imagery put across by demi in this stage though the fact that he shows you the buffalo bill
0: stuff he shows you her looking at that oh we, and then yeah. he explains that oh I think, that's the picture i got yeah straight no amazed. we know that uh, clarice isn't told that directly um because later on it's explained that she uh jack crawford didn't want hannibal lecter knowing yeah. the specifics so then he didn't tell clarice the specifics of what he needed from her
1: and then we are taken to the uh hospital where hospital prison what
0: do you class it as uh i think i think it's a mental facility asylum as- kind as something of something like to I, can't, a certain extent. I can't remember what they call it Ah, uh, some sort of institute for yeah. criminally insane. So
1: she heads there to go speak to Hannibal Lecter. She's greeted by Dr. Frederick Chilton, oh, who no. really wishes he had a chance of her, but honey, slimy,
0: it is Dr. not going to happen. Clarice Stalin is far too good for him. Absolutely. Oh no, he's hot. This is, is probably your uh, your villain in the piece. <laughs> His, his dialogue just consists of, you're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty. Is that, it? how many times did he call
1: her pretty? About three oh, times? way too many times.
0: Like, he says a pretty young woman to turn um Hannibal Lecter on. Ew. And uh, she says that she graduated from UVA, and it's certainly not a charm school. Yes. He, she she gets him straight away nah. now. So, interested.
1: after uh, this slime balls out the picture, um, it... There's a massive build-up to Clarice getting to Hannibal. I mean, it's only a short corridor, but that scene feels so long because of the slow-burning tension as she's walking down to
0: her chair in front of his cell. Did you get that? Yeah, she's um, she makes a slow progress, don't she? Yeah. And we're introduced to the other prisoners that are there on the way. And they're all so over-the-top and loud and then they're behind bars yeah whereas Lecter is behind glass yeah so he can't touch you get near you or anything you know there's no chance of any physical contact whatsoever
1: yeah so then we get our first conversation between the two of them and these scenes of the two of them talking it's just it's unbelievable it, it it's hard to explain in a way it's it's just so captivating it it just draws you in and really not a lot is happening it's just two people talking but these dialogue heavy scenes are so captivating
0: and it's just quite intense yeah the the performances are exquisite and they are throughout the whole of the film, but in particular in these scenes with um Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster together speaking to each other one-on-one. And it's all, almost like um, a sport to, yeah. ha- to Hannibal Lecter. It's like a tennis match. He hits the ball, her, balls in the court. She sends it back. Mm-hmm. She's not as good as he is. I think she gets better as the film goes exactly. on. Their, their chemistry builds exactly. so much. Exactly. But in this beginning scene, he's quite catty towards her and he dismisses her. And uh, one thing about Hannibal Lecter throughout the film and and throughout, you know, the novels and the other films is this idea that he is a gentleman and that, you know, he would never outright be rude but there's those wow i mean it, in the sense of um etiquette he he ends up sort of being mean to her yeah this cheeky bitch makes a comment about her cheap shoes yeah but it's it's you know it's a cutting remark until until um uh, the end of this conversation where he really goes full on but you know. It's almost as if she's his guest. Yeah. He tells her to take a seat. He's very polite. You know, he's he stood while she's sat down, you know, very gentlemanly. And, um, yeah, the, these conversations are great between them Anthony uh, Hopkins is just so creepy in this role and he is because he, he he's almost waiting for her as well yeah she she gets to the end and he he knows and Anthony Hopkins said that he he based um a lot of his performance and he got a bit of inspiration from Hal in 2001 A Space Odyssey hmm. in the sense that Hal was the computer that ran the ship yeah and he was all-knowing, so which made him even scarier. So Hannibal Lecter, he he knows. He knows she's mm-hmm. coming. She, he knows who she is and just sort of plays a little game with her. Yeah. Throughout the whole of the film.
1: And he knows full well what the FBI are looking for from him before she even knows. Yeah. Like I mean, this first conversation they have, they he mentions Buffalo Bill and then you know explains to her that he wears the skin of his victims and such. But then a, a lot of the time within this conversation and during later in the film, he tries to get really personal with her as well. And yeah, it's just
0: the the gentleman in him, and which is the the comment that um Jonathan Demi made about him being a good guy. The gentleman in him wants to help. Yeah. But the insane cannibal in him, he's going to make it into a game. And if you don't win the game, you know, you you don't get Buffalo Bell.
1: Well, within this first conversation, he says a very, very iconic line. And that's the thing with this one. There's so many iconic lines of dialogue. And what's his first iconic line? Hmm? Yep. His first iconic line within this scene. Which was that? About eating a liver.
0: Oh, okay. Oh that's the first iconic one. Mm, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Well no, I I I No Hemphies you do your impression I'm... <laughs> on oh, No, I don't have an impression. Well what's the line? But what... <laughs> You say the line and you're so I obsessive. haven't got it written it... down Oh god. A census taker once tried oh what was it? A census taker yeah. once tried to test me. I ate his liver with a uh, Father Beans and a Nice Chianti. This is your favourite film of all time. It's my favourite film. But I, my first quote is. And I hope my mum. Cheap never shoes? This, no, I can smell your cunt. <laughs> That's my first one. And you're saying. that oh, an iconic client? Wow. Well, what did Mig say to you? Oh, I Jesus. can smell your cunt. Well, I couldn't smell it, but uh. Yeah, you use Evian and. It's all iconic to me. I'm sorry.
1: Wow. So um, conversation um, shortly finishes after that iconic line. And as uh, Clarice is walking out, she catches an inmate, giving himself a treat. And uh, he throws some
0: semen at her. He does. Yeah. And, and the first time I watched this, th- this was horrifying. Mm. and I I watched it. I've watched it many times over the years. And I think I was fairly young when I watched it for the first time, sort of 15, 16. And I I, genuinely felt really bad for her. I mean, that's so disrespectful, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And, you know, we, we could laugh about it. Um, but if that was to ever happen, you know, to me, I'd be like, oh, my God, this is awful. And Hannibal Lecter feels the same way. So he was playing this game with her at the beginning and dismissed her as a silly, pretty face. The, the same way that Chilton did, you know, just a pretty face to try and turn turn him on. And to get something more out of him more than, you know, a, a pig like Chilton ever could. And um, when this happened, because he'd mocked her, he'd been quite... Catty, you know, he mocked her southern accent as well, which caught Jodie Foster off uh, guard because uh, Hopkins hadn't done it in rehearsals. And then when they did it for the film, he started mocking her southern accent. So she's a little thrown. She gets a big splodge of semen in her face from some uh, insane guy. And uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Hannibal Lecter, is horrified at this. And he said, he gives her a little nugget of uh, information, doesn't he? Yeah. To to apologize and he tends to bargain in information and because he he knows it all and he could easily stay f- from the start. He could easily have just sat there and said, oh, it's so and so. Look here, mm-hmm. but it's a game to him, and he didn't think. Clarice Starling was fit enough to participate in the game. And he gave her a bit of information as an apology and see where she took that. And then we see throughout the film that he has more respect for her because she's taken this and she's actually going with it. And she, she you know, she gets it right. Yeah. And then
1: uh, he tells her to seek out a Miss Moffat. Uh, She goes out, has a cry at a car, and this is actually, uh, Jodie Foster decided to do this because of an FBI agent that she was speaking to who said that's what they do on a regular basis to uh, not show any vulnerability to the people they're speaking to and uh, just to let it all out and have to get on with her job.
0: Yeah, yeah, it must be tough, you know. But uh, after that, we get a training montage. We, we No, we get a flashback to her father when she's dying. Yeah. And he's a police officer. So that's that's a little bit of her characterisation there. Yeah. So she's in the FBI. Her father was in law enforcement. You know there's something going on there. You know, she's trying to live up to her father's legacy in some way. Um, And that... Little more pieces of that puzzle come into the film... As it goes along. So that's a, a real nice way of doing a bit of character development for yeah. Clarice. Because it, it's difficult. When you've got a film with characters such as Hannibal Lecter and um, Buffalo Bill, it, it you could easily say that maybe Clarice Starling is isn't the interesting character well she is and that's how they do it so well and the way the they managed
1: to squeeze in all of the character development for all these characters in this film is great because mm. i mean taking it, it's only a two-hour film now obviously you know i mean two hours slightly longer than the average film but still two hours is still not an awful lot of time when you've got three strong characters like that to get development for yeah so i think the way they did it with flashbacks is the best way they could have done it yeah yeah but then we get the training montage and I'm disappointed that it didn't have any uh, montage style music with it.
0: No, it didn't. No, no. We're out of the 80s. Sorry, yeah, it's 1991 now. <laughs> this is a sophisticated thriller slash horror. So we get a montage, but it hasn't got cheesy music over it. But it does feature her forgetting to check the corner. So they practice a raid. Uh, where some hostages are being taken and she forgets to check the corner of the room and her instructor informs her that she would be dead in a real life situation because there's obviously a criminal there. And that's just a little hint, you know, just to remind us that she's she is still in training. She's not quite there yet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that was originally going to be... The, I did. And that was going to be the open sequence originally.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: but apparently Jodie Foster didn't want that to happen because it, it's been done so many times before.
0: Yeah. So
1: she uh, decided to go with the obstacle course one. I like the amount of involvement Jodie Foster had within yeah, Where This Film Jodie went. Jodie
0: Foster is a fantastic filmmaker and an actress, and I I think Jodie Foster's great. I, I really do.
1: Do you know what's not great? What? The accent for the uh, storage facility guy. What accent he, was he, he going can't tell, for? No, it, yeah. it, was, it was really weird. I've never heard anything like it. And it, it's something you hear his voice before you see his face. And when you see him, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not sure what you're trying to do here. Mm. <laughs> but um, that's the storage facility uh, she's been led to with this information that Hannibal Lecter gave her. Um, and we find out there is a storage unit there that is owned by... Uh, Someone with the surname Moffitt. Am I right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's taken so it's a your self storage unit. And part of the clue that Lecter gave was search inside yourself. Yeah. And Miss Moffitt. So there's the the storage unit taken out in the name of Miss Moffat. Clarice uses her smarts, finds it, goes alone to investigate and this is one of the issues that the fbi actually had with the film is that she would never have been allowed to go alone um to somewhere like that because she states that they know she's there um but the fbi she would never have been allowed to go alone to the storage unit but you know it's part of the film she's a lone wolf in many senses mm-hmm. she relies on herself she's as cheesy as this sounds she is a strong independent female yeah you know however cliched and no, silly that is. sounds but she is and you they have to sort of tweak the truth a little bit to get that across to us
1: and then within this uh, storage unit she finds a car with women's clothes and a uh, face inside it,
0: yeah. So in well, in a jar, yeah. So the, the um, a human head, um, that we find out is a man wearing makeup, and she finds that in a jar being preserved. So obviously. That startles her, and that's taken in as evidence. Well, it startles the audience as well, because like you said, this is a sophisticated film, and even the
1: Seaman scene, it's like, those two scenes in particular, when I first watched it, I was like, oh shit, I was not expecting this. Like, yeah. I, I was expecting something, this. I mean, you obviously... You find out about him wearing the skin of his victims and whatnot, Buffalo Bill, but you don't really. With the way the film was going and how it's presented, you don't really expect to see stuff like that. So when no. it does show it, it's kind of like, ooh.
0: And horror isn't always blood and guts. No. It's not always people getting limbs chopped off. And, you know, there are bloody scenes in this film, but horror can come from so many different places. And even an image like. Um, the one of the semen you know that's a horrifying image yeah you know it's not you know she hasn't been stabbed she hasn't been thrown off a building but that that's horror that's I think that's horror
1: yeah it is so there's more Hannibal and Clarice and this time he tries to encourage her to get uh, Crawford to be uh, her sugar daddy in so many words
0: yeah and it's Throughout the film, um, people assume that Clarice is getting ahead of, you know, her classmates. Because she's still a student and she's been given this responsibility. And people assume it's because Jack uh, Jack Crawford wants to get in her pants. Now, that could be true. I I mean, she's, you know, she's a strong character. She's smart and she's capable, but there could be that underlying feeling that she's, you know, Jack Crawford's chosen her specifically because he maybe has the hots for it. It's not explored too much in the film apart from people referencing it or assuming it.
1: Yeah, which I mean, she shuts him down anyway so, and yeah, says, Oh, absolutely, that's not what's happening. you know
0: but i mean i assumed that in real life you know that there weren't many females in the fbi yeah and maybe you know they were treated like that Well, they probably were actually they probably were treated like that well after this uh hannibal makes it clear that he knows who buffalo
1: bill is uh says that he will help Chris find him and uh I mean, it's pretty much
0: what we already knew anyway from the yeah.
1: first film. But he confirms it.
0: Yeah, and it an, an interesting part is um, that she returns to him and it, it's pissing it down with rain. And he offers her a towel. Yeah, yeah, and a really creepy scene where it's just, like, sitting in the shadows. Yeah, he's sitting in the shadows and suddenly this towel comes out. Um, and, you know, again, it's him being a gentleman you know, offering a towel, you know, that's maybe there's a good guy in there, but just isn't coming out, you know, or, or only very subtly coming out.
1: Well, after this, we are introduced to a new character uh, called Catherine, and uh, she's introduced singing a bit of uh, Tom Petty. Oh, she's singing an absolute banger. American Girl. Oh, what, what a great song. And, uh, as she's, uh, she's driving up to her house and someone's spying on her and, uh, was soon introduced to Buffalo Bill, who's, uh, trying to put a bit of furniture in, uh, in a van, asks her to go in the van and, uh, I thought he was, every time I watch this, I don't know why I always forget this happens, I always think he's just going to lock the door, but, uh, he does some brutal punching, Yeah, out.
0: this is taken directly from Ted Bundy. So this is what Ted Bundy used to do. He used to, um... Put a fake cast on an arm or um, have crutches and help women um, and ask women to help him in situations like getting a sofa into a van and then take advantage of them at that point. So this is taken directly from Ted Bundy. And then, um, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't know that, actually. We need to watch yeah. the Ted
1: Bundy tape
0: on that. Yeah, uh, one big thing about Ted Bundy that always comes up and is how charming he was and how he so easily lured women into, you know, these dangerous situations because he was charming and, you know, he pretended to be incapacitated in some way. And they wanted to help him, which makes him even more creepy.
1: Well, next, Buffalo Bill cuts her dress off uh, because he makes a point about making sure she's a size 14 prior Mm -hmm. to that. Cuts her dress off and drives away. And then uh, another victim is found uh, in a a lake somewhere. And uh, we get to see an autopsy of this victim. And a cocoon is found in her mouth. As well as uh, obviously having skin cut off or what not in usual yeah like so Bill the, this
0: is a, a, another piece of horror of the film is, yeah is the views of these uh, of of the dead body having the post mortem after it's come out of the water you know it's a very gruesome image
1: and yeah.
0: uh, what what what's interesting about film because it's not a mystery. We know who the killer is, you know, the, we've seen it, we've seen Catherine get, um, get abducted. So we know who this is. So now we're waiting for Clarice to find him and put the pieces together. I, I, I think it's an interesting way that they do it for a well while. Yeah, and film. it's not
1: long after that when we get to see his uh, little hideout. And now that is pure horror. That scene where uh, it's going through his basement, and obviously you see the skin that he's taken off his victims. You see the uh, the women's clothes out, and uh, basically everything you found out about him up to this stage is shown within this sequence. And then we find out he's got a well, uh, which has a voice coming from it. So that's where uh, Catherine is being kept. And uh, and then after this, we uh, get some more Clarice and Hannibal. Now this is where we find out more about Clarice's dad. Because uh, Hannibal Lecter makes it clear to her he wants to know about her, uh, you know, wants to know about her child. He wants to know her worst childhood memory. Uh, and then that's when she explains about the death of her father. Um, yeah, it's a real eye-opening scene. You agree? Yeah. Um, where are we?
0: The scene where Hannibal Lecter's asking her for a worst childhood memory. Oh so have we gone past the scene with the uh, the moth where she gets hit on at the museum? No. Maybe. I think I might have actually stepped it out.
1: <laughs> okay. So, yeah, she does get hit on by the guy at the museum.
0: Yeah, so the the um the um cocoon that's found in the girl's throat. Um, she takes it to the museum where two nerdy guys uh, check it out and realise that it's uh, a moth that's only found in Asia and they explained that um, this moth would have had to have been looked after very carefully and be very loved by someone for it to have survived in the climate and that to me is quite an interesting um area of Buffalo Bill's character. Yeah. Where he's seen to take great care of these moths and his dog, Precious, mm-hmm. and have all the love and compassion, but yet treat his victims... So disgracefully,
1: yeah, and it's within this next scene with uh Hannibal where you know, after he asks about uh Clarissa's worst childhood memories, after that, where we find out a little more about his motives, Buffalo Bill's motives, as to why he's doing what he's doing, which brings up a subject we were talking about two weeks ago with the uh, the whole, whole trans uh, yeah,
0: so the whole idea of um. Him being transgendered, or so Lecter explains that he's not transgendered in the same way. You know, um, people see transgendered people. Yeah. So so essentially, that they're talking and um, Jodie Foster explains that transgendered people are usually quite passive. You know, because she's all, all, all about sort of, um, you know, looking at the psychology as, as well of, of crime. And um, Lecter explains that it's not being transgendered. He's so obsessed with changing who he is and the idea that he's not the person he's meant to be. Yeah. That... He, and, and that's the significant of the moth, is the idea of, you know, cocooning and then becoming something else. Buffalo Bill believes that's because he's transgendered. And how do you think that
1: falls into the representation of trans people in
0: this film? It's, because a lot of people lobbied against it and, and said that, that, you know, um, that it painted transgendered people in a bad light. And that he was a serial killer because he was trans. And there was this, a correlation between the two. So we spoke about it in Sleepaway Camp. Yeah.
1: Well, I was going to say, I think the representation in this film, it's still not great, of course, but I think it's better just for that line alone about Jodie Foster saying about trans people being passive. Yeah. I think just that one line, that is just a little bit extra than what Sleepaway Camp had. That kind of... I don't know. I don't know what it does. It just kind of it felt a little better for me with that.
0: Sleepaway Camp essentially said that Angela was a murderer because she was a male raised as a female. Yeah, that's what I got from that film. Yeah
1: yeah but then then this is saying i mean he's wasn't raised as a female this is him wanting to become a woman and
0: that's this is but it's it's not actually so the whole idea is that he isn't actually transgender this is what i got from the film is that Lecter's saying that buffalo bill isn't actually transgendered buffalo bill doesn't want to be a woman he wants to wear the skin of a woman. He he was turned down for gender realignment surgery. Twice, he said. He was turned down. Because he doesn't actually want to change his gender. He wants to change who he is. And if he can't do that, he now takes from his victims their appearance, their skin, and wears it for himself... So it's more of a cover.
1: Yeah, but I think it's more of a commentary on uh, systematic abuse than, uh,
0: yeah, you know, yeah.
1: society and such. I mean, it, rather than a commentary on trans people, I think it's more about about that, really.
0: Yeah, no. It's, Which
1: it's, is said by Hannibal Lecter. He does say, you know, yeah. he's a criminal from systematic abuse.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like Ed Gein. Yeah. Um, you know he stole women's bodies and i think he he murdered one or two um and made stuff out of the skin um he, you know he had a terrible relationship with his mother and a lot of a lot of serial killers have terrible relationships with their mothers and this isn't really said in in um, silence of the lambs um but it's you know stuff like that and that's where it stems from. And I think that is explained in this film. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, that it, it's early childhood trauma starts these things.
1: Which is interesting considering they decided to put the character development in about Clarice and her troubled childhood.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So, you know, it it, it, it like, leaves so many
0: opportunities for thought. Within, yeah exactly you know, every character yeah because what i think buffalo bill is is a selfish character a self-centered character yeah and when um, senator martin's on the television screen um, she keeps referring to Catherine by name and they point that out and they say you know oh wow you know, she's doing a really good job because she keeps referring to Catherine by name. But Buffalo Bill never says her name. It's it. It's an object. Yeah. And I was just about to say that the next scene is actually
1: that scene where that he That leads yeah. on
0: to the next scene. Exactly.
1: In which he says another iconic line. Have you got a Ted Levine
0: voice? Uh, no, I haven't actually got a Ted Levine. <laughs> Can you do it? Yeah,
1: it rubs the lotion on the skin. And has the... <laughs> is that a good impression? I... Not really. No. But he does look like Noddy Holder. Did you get that? Yeah, he does look, from look... Slade. Yeah, yeah. People might not be familiar. Anyone from America is not going to get that. Um, uh, <laughs> the, the the band with the Christmas song, I, I don't know how else to explain them. But, um, look, Google Noddy Holder, and you'll see it looks like Ted Levine. Um... But, yeah, so uh, we're getting a bit of interaction between him and Catherine, uh, who is obviously down the well still.
0: Yeah, so she's down the well, and he's given her some lotion to put on. And he says, you know, another iconic line it rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. Again, like I'd pointed out, it. We keep referring to Catherine as it. As if she's an object. Yeah, and he looks like he doesn't even want to look at her. Like... Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't. He doesn't want to. And he, he actually looks quite upset... Yeah. ...at what he has to do. And when she's pleading... Um, ...and she's getting upset... He, ...he turns away and he can't... He needs to... ...treat her as if she's just an object... ...and a means to an end. It's unfortunate for him that he has to keep her in the well for three days so he can get her skin. If he could do it straight away, he would have just done it straight away, um, killing her. Um, But it's that referring to her as... So it's that selfishness of she's just there so that he can wear her skin so he can feel like somebody else. And that's where he's insane. That's where he's a serial It's not because he's transgendered it's because he hates himself so much that he takes it out on these women so that he can feel better.
1: Yeah. And then after that, we're given some iconic imagery as uh, Hannibal's being transferred to a uh, state prison and he has a... Now, I don't know what I'd call this, like some sort of restraint musk. Type thing. If, there's a good chance if you've, even if you haven't seen this film, if you've seen any pictures of Hannibal Lecter, you'd have seen oh, this. Oh,
0: this is the iconic image. Yeah. Of Hannibal, exactly. Can I just touch on something? Sorry. What have I missed? Just before then, so we end that scene at Buffalo Bills with, with the fingernail. Ka- yeah, with Catherine realizing the bloody yeah handprints and fingernails of the wall. Now this is a scene of pure horror. I think yeah. this is a scene of pure horror. And when she screams, it's because she realises that he's not kidnapped her for any ransom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He don't know who the hell she is or who yeah. the hell her mother is. And that there have been people there before. You know, she knows that this guy is insane. Yeah,
1: and it, it leaves it up to your imagination. And for me, one of the worst things to imagine is something damaged to fingernails. So that really oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, because you get, you get a shot of that uh-huh. um, when they had the post-mortem. To the um the, the first victim,
1: yeah, and then it's after that I did I actually got that wrote down I don't know why I didn't mention her. but uh, then after that you get Hannibal in his uh, what what do you call it? is there a name for
0: it? I feel like it like a muzzle. Yeah. I wanna call it a muzzle. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, does the same job. Stop him from <laughs> biting. So. Yeah. So <laughs> we
1: get some uh a conversation between him and, uh Catherine's mother uh to which he's being his uh best sassy, charming self. Yeah,
0: so this is going back to how he treated Clarice, uh condescending, um quite rude um but also giving those little tidbits of information as he goes um and playing playing the game, playing a game with people and which is what he likes to do. Yeah, has some uh, has a bit of conversation about her
1: doing some breastfeeding. Yeah. Talks about a tough nipples. Yeah. Uh, but he, he does also say that Buffalo Bill's real name is Lewis Friend. It's like, hmm. Is it, though? <laughs> like, when you hear it, you're kind of like, yeah, that's, that's
0: fake. He's not telling the truth. Yeah. But again, it's another anagram. It's an a, anagram. It's a game. You know, he's playing a game with people. Exactly.
1: So he tells... Uh, he tells Catherine's mum that he loves her suit. I don't think he did.
0: I think he was being sarcastic. No, I think he did. Really? No, I think he did. Yes, because I don't know if I loved, suit. <laughs> I loved the suit. I love the suit. But, yeah, no, I, I think he genuinely did. And that's that's the gentleman in him coming out. And, you know, he he'll cut you down and yeah. then he'll, you know, build you up a little bit. <laughs> So he's transferred
1: um, to his new environment and he's given a massive new cage. Well, it is more of a cage than a cell.
0: Yeah. So essentially what's happened is that um, Crawford and Starling had offered him a deal, a plea deal that Senator knew nothing about. um, When she found out Crawford and Starling are off the case, it's gone to someone else. She's given him a deal for information and he's being moved away from where he was. And he, he, I, I don't know where they are, uh, where there's this big cage. It looks like some sort of concert hall or. Yeah, wherever they could
1: find. Well, he. um, I mean, yeah, I do want to say the location choices in this film are fantastic. Oh, Every, everywhere looks, looks great. Absolutely. The um, set signs are great. But, uh, so, Clarice goes to visit him. Obviously, you know, she's off the case now, so she shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. But um, she goes to visit him to take his drawings. And uh, she uh, tries getting some more information out of him about uh, Buffalo Bill. But he, this time, he has not given it until she tells him some more information about her past. And he's very adamant yeah. about Yeah, it.
0: so, um, Clarice has figured out that Lewis's friend... Is not that person's name. It's actually an anagram of... The, I think the Latin name for fool's gold. Yeah. So he, she knows he's taking the piss. And so she goes to try and get that... Bit more information out of him... Until she's off the case. And it's... it's Like I said earlier about this tennis game... That he likes to play. Mm-hmm. This tit for tat. Um. Now it's gone into... He'll give her information... If she gives him information about herself and he he likes to get into people's heads and being able to to learn about her past and her psychology is fun to him. He likes to do that. He likes to get into people's brains and into people's heads, Uh, pun fully intended with So, yeah, this is another great scene between the two. They don't share much... uh, There's only four scenes that they share together in the film. Yeah. Hopkins and uh, Foster. But every time, it's exceptional, exceptional acting.
1: More character development as well in this one. About uh, a
0: really dark story that
1: Clarice tells. That was originally going to be shown in a flashback, but they decided it was too good, the back and forth
0: between them. There's no point cutting Uh away from it to a flashback. And they have very they're quite close-ups of their faces in this one um yeah it's it's a great scene and 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 essentially what, what we get out of it is um uh so uh the idea of um coveting yeah And I wasn't really sure when I first... What what coveting mean. I'm still not even sure what it means now. uh, We get a story about Clarice... um,
1: And the reason why she ran away. Did you get that right down as to... Oh, yeah. About the lambs.
0: So, yeah. So, she was orphaned at the age of 10. Uh, Her mother died early. Uh, Her father was died in active duty... uh, As a police officer... So she went to live with some cousins on a ranch and one night she heard screaming and she went to investigate and uh, she found the lambs screaming, ready to be slaughtered. So she opens the pen to let the lambs out and they don't leave. So she grabs one And she runs away with it. And she's caught and taken back. And that lamb still goes to slaughter. So, Lecter hears this and he knows, you know, her joining the FBI is her trying to save those lambs. Yeah. You know, if she couldn't save the lambs then then she can save the lambs now, which is where this Silence of the Lambs title comes from. Because, because you know, Silence of the Lambs is, is quite a strange mm-hmm. title, really. But from the context of this story, you know, it's a fantastic title.
1: Oh, yeah, especially means, you know, it's something specifically to do with Clarissa's character. It mm. makes you clear it is her film. Yeah.
0: Because so... she's trying to save these screaming lambs. These Screaming Lambs, obviously, being Buffalo Bill's victim. Yeah. So
1: then we, she gets dragged away. Um, you know, they realise she's not meant to be there. Uh, one of the guards... Were you serious? Is that actually George Romero? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was huh.
0: George Romero. Cameo yeah. from George
1: Romero. Yeah. Uh, taking her away from Hannibal. And then after this, we get a fantastic sequence of horror. It's one of the greatest scenes in horror history. So anyone that tries saying it's not a horror film, just, just watch this clip. So... Hannibal um, has had his dinner, demands a second meal. Uh, the prison guards... Extra rare lamb chops. Yeah,
0: so the prison guards take the I meal get, into he's, him. You know, that, that bit of... Because no one knows the context, you know. She's not going to know that he's ordered lamb chops extra rare. Yeah. It's that little bit of, you know, sarcasm, that little bit of irony that probably made him chuckle.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, the prison guards go into his cell, uh, they handcuff him to the edge of the cell, and uh, little did I know,
0: he uh, he has a little plan up his sleeve. Yes, yeah, so earlier, Dr Chilton, being the smug bastard that he is, or, or was, excuse me, he's not a real person, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he left his pen lying around in mm-hmm. Lecter's cell, and that pen went missing... And now we find out that Lecter had kept part of it in his mouth, which he subsequently used to undo his handcuffs when he was being given this meal. Yes. And then uh, he
1: handcuffs one of the prison guards to where he was and uh, bites the other one's nose. Yeah. Was it the same one? Was it the other guy? He bites his nose.
0: No, 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 it's... So, yeah, yeah, so he I bites
1: think. his nose, um, beats him down a bit, and then uh, beats the other one to death as well.
0: So... And and this, the change in the demeanour... Yeah, it's like, oh, shit, this is why he's a bad guy. Absolute impeccable acting from Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Because it's like a completely different person when this happens. It's two sides of a coin. You, you know... Um, he's very gentlemanly, you know, and, and sinister. There's this, it's very sinister but the moment this happens Yeah Anthony Hopkins, his body language, his face changes. It's fantastic. It really is. And then his fantastic act on,
1: on how he gets out it's just so elaborate but so terrifying yeah it's it's by far one of the scariest scenes in the film because yeah. oh, you are very tense you get sequence. obviously you know everyone's made alert everyone's aware of this now and uh they find one of the prison guards strung up on the cage with his insides like all torn out and it looks horrific and then um they find a body within uh, within the cell and uh, you know they're like, okay, it's gonna be all right. We'll get you an ambulance. And meanwhile, the some other police officers find a body on top of the uh, lift, and he's in Hannibal's clothing. So you know you got no other reason to think it's not him. So one thing leads to another. They um, get this other guy in the ambulance, drive him away, and they get the body down from the lift. And you can see clearly from his head that it's not it's not Hannibal Lecter. Meanwhile, in the ambulance, uh, it's revealed that the body they've taken away is actually Hannibal Lecter, but wearing the prison guard's face and his clothes. And then that's him gone till the end of the film.
0: Yeah, he kills uh, the people on the ambulance and makes his great escape. Yeah. And that's that's until the very end of the film. That's the last we see of Anthony Hopkins. So this... Is the part of the film where Styling Clarice is alone now. Yeah, this is front and centre, her film now, finding out this is who her. this killer is. And... It's all on yeah. her. She's had Lecter's little tidbits, uh, clues that she solved herself. Well, there's one last one on the map. Yeah. So he's written on the map um, about how where the bodies were found look quite um random but they're actually not and then she figures out this whole idea of coveting we covet what we see all the time the first body was the last one to be found but it was the first victim so she realizes that Buffalo Bill Knew his first victim, so she, you know, she's solving the riddles. But after this last one, it's all on her. Yeah, it's all on her. It's her game now, and it, it's shortly after
1: this that the FBI realize the real name for Buffalo Bill. So they find out he's a guy called Jamie Gum, and uh, they're on their way to him. They let Clarice know. Um, meanwhile, Clarice is still investigating. Uh but in between all this we get another iconic scene featuring Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus.
0: And yeah, uh banger of a song.
1: Yeah, it's a now the editing in this film is some of my favourite editing in any film ever. Because they it, the editor knew how to build this suspense because this is the first example. You've got Buffalo Bill putting his makeup on. Looks like a modern day YouTube tutorial. Putting on makeup. <laughs> putting on makeup with Buffalo Bill. Um, and then in between this and him saying his iconic line of uh, Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. In between that, uh, we get Catherine trying to get Precious the dog down into the well. So she can, uh, you know, find a way out of there by using the dog as bait. Yeah, she, she knows that he
0: loves the dog. And threatening the dog's life will help her get out. Yeah,
1: so these two sequences uh, are intertwined, And then uh, he gets up and does a dance. And uh, does a fierce tuck. Yeah, he's got a a mangina on the go, as they'd call it. Yeah, and does a
0: a lovely dance. But it it is iconic imagery. Um, It is. And the, the fact that he asks himself, you know, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Yeah. It's that idea of trying to be accepted and that self hatred again, you know, and changing himself to try and make himself feel better. And then
1: shortly after this, this is when do you know what? I say these are two sequences, it's kind of all merged into one I suppose, because this is when it it all all the stops are pulled out. You this is just pure suspense now from this moment onwards. Mm-hmm. It, I'll never forget the first time I watched this, It, it was, I was on the edge of my seat, and I could not believe this twist coming up. So, Catherine successfully gets the dog into the well. Uh, Buffalo Bill's obviously fuming, but meanwhile the police are gathering outside what we think is his house.
0: Well, Clarice goes to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Clarice... So, uh, was it Francesca, the yes, first victim? Yeah. She goes to visit her father, and uh, <laughs> this. There's not much to laugh at in this film, but one part is she finds these saucy photos in Francesca's uh, box, like... um, Music box. Music box, hidden in there, and she looks at them, and she, you know, we see she's in her underwear, and it's these saucy photos, (laughs) and she just leaves them lying on the side, and I think... (laughs) I thought that was a bit harsh, really, because this poor man, he doesn't need to see that. They're not really evidence to anything. No. She could have just put them back and left, but she just <laughs> left them on the side for this poor man to find. <laughs> Is he not suffered enough? Um, But she finds a dress in Francesca's wardrobe with similar markings to Francesca's body. Uh, The skin that was taken off. And she puts two and two together and realises, you know, um, it's linked in some way. And she finds out that uh, Francesca had been doing dress alterations for uh, an old lady and she goes to investigate this old lady's house. Yeah, and, and this the, is the part that's intercut with yeah the the, the way FBI.
1: this scene this this scene is edited, it's
0: oh, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it really is. Uh, I could not believe it the first, uh, I just never saw it coming, and it no. you know with horror films, it's fifty fifty. You're either going to get twists that you see coming, and I uh, I don't know. I say fifty fifty. I think it's more 525. A lot of the time with horror films, you can see twists coming, and oh, it takes yeah. it takes a fair few. To get something that's genuinely shocking, and for me, this was it because I never knew this was going to happen. And then, no. as soon as you know, she's ringing the doorbell. Well, no, we don't see her ringing the doorbell. No, we see the police ringing the doorbell. The FBI are setting it up. Yeah, so that
0: flowers are going to be delivered at this house. Yeah, and then the doorbell's going off in the basement, and we get it intercut with um them with Buffalo Bill, and then the the. Uh, doorbell goes off yeah it? and
1: as soon as he answers the door and it's not the police and it's Clarice I think I actually said out loud the first time the I was think I was pretty much like holy shit no way I could not believe it
0: it was unbelievable yeah and this is the moment we realise Clarice is all alone yeah she has no one and this you know because we, we know it's going to descend into one on one you know, uh her and Buffalo Bill.
1: Which it does. And the build up is her walking into his house and then these little signs just like the pictures of butterflies, yeah, the the lotion, the things that, you know, Mm -hmm. she knows is a big part of the mystery surrounding this killer, you know, they're they're scattered everywhere. And And then a moth lands. Yeah. And then she realises it's him, you know, puts a gun up to him and, you know, says freeze and whatnot, but he runs away. So then um, she goes down into the basement, uh, finds his hideout, finds the skin and the, you know, all the women's clothing. And then she finds the well uh, with Catherine down there, um, you know, tells her to try and stay quiet while she goes and looks for him. And then the cat and mouse sequence is made even more suspenseful by the lights going out and then we get a point of view shot from buffalo bill where he can see clarice and we as the audience can see her in the dark wandering around whilst you know she has no idea he's behind her and that is just
0: suspense in its purest form yeah yeah it's an extremely tense scene yeah it,
1: and it's just you, you don't know what's you don't know if she's going to get shot if she's going to shoot him you and it leaves you hanging for quite some time yeah um and then she hears him um with his gun but she turns around and shoots him just in time and kills him so after this we get the uh, amazing news that precious dog survived yeah precious survived Catherine survived uh, and now Clarice is Special Agent Stalin now.
0: Yeah, she graduates.
1: Yeah, and, and it's and a then, good end uh, to her story.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, well deserved. Yeah, I think. And, but, and and again, the FBI said that her going to that house by herself would never have happened ever. But obviously, we need her to be alone in that scene.
1: Yeah. But uh, it does make a big difference, and I think the FBI did say. It, I think it was in the uh, trivia for it that you know it would have to be a once in a yeah, lifetime. Yeah, would never yeah. <laughs> happen again. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we all think that's it. It's the end of the film, but Clarice gets a phone call, and uh, it's a familiar voice asking if the lambs have stopped screaming.
0: It's Mister Lecter in or f- oh, <laughs> Doctor Doctor Lecter, excuse me, in a very uh, fetching wig. Yeah, beautiful wig. <laughs> on a, I I believe some sort of Caribbean island. I think he is. Yeah, he's about to have a friend, an old friend, for dinner, and we see Doctor Chilton. Yeah, and uh, we realise that Doctor Chilton uh, is on the menu. Might yes, might not be there for too long, and that's it, end of the film. Yeah masterpiece yeah and, and and truly a phenomenal film and i I could talk forever i don't i don't think we went as in depth as i could have you know i, I might write an essay on it for you sometime <laughs> because i could go on and on and on about you know the characterization in that film the themes that have been brought up you know how great everything comes together um yeah, I, 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 yeah could, I could go on
1: and on and the fact that there is so much to talk about it just proves how much of a masterclass in filmmaking it really is yeah and exactly. I, I really want to see some more of jonathan demi's films um particularly interested by this manchurian candidate remake that was out years ago so mm, i've seen
0: so sort of meryl streep's in it isn't it Uh huh. i don't know I'd i'd be a bit scared that it wouldn't come close to the original it's one of your favourite actresses. Playing the role of one
1: of your other favourite actresses. Oh I know yeah. In a film by the director <laughs> of one of your favourite films. What could go wrong? That's true. That is very that is very true. But um and then obviously Caged Heat, I'd really like to see Heat. K- I've
0: seen Caged Heat, it's alright for a women in prison
1: film. About um Stop Making Sense, I mean talking out to your favourite band. Yeah, love,
0: film. love Stop Making Sense. Yeah, but that that's a concert film. Um, he also did, uh, Philadelphia, uh, the Tom Hanks film. Okay. Uh, he also did Something Wild, I mentioned that earlier with Melanie Griffith. Uh, that, that's a fun film, her and Jeff Daniels. Um. Uh, but yeah, so we should probably explore more of his, I think he's one of these that doesn't really stick to a genre. Yeah. Uh, that does a little bit of everything, which, which is good. It's very good. But, uh, yeah, solid
1: five-star film. Can't fault it. No, no, no gonna, I, I, and that's a I very rare thing can't. for this podcast. Like, even we've been talking about good films now for four weeks, and even you know, films that I love, films that Chris loves, and that we've spoke about. There's still been faults to find with him. This film, I genuinely, even as even the trans representation, it you know, it could be explained away. It it doesn't
0: necessarily impact the film. It I can't find one bad thing to say about it. No, I, I, I really do think that every moment of this film is cinematic genius. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely within my top ten of all time. I believe it's your... This is my one. number one film, yeah.
1: And if you haven't seen it, then what the fuck are you doing?
0: What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I, I I want you to listen to the podcast, but also I don't want to be spoiling all these films for you because, you know... Watching Silence of the Lambs for the first time is a wonderful experience. Yes. Yeah, knowing. Yeah, it's like
1: Ghost Watch. I mean, you could easily listen to our episode of Ghost Watch, watch the film after it, it would probably be better for it because you've got that backstory there. It, it needs the backstory, that film. But with Silence of the Lambs, it's like that sequence um, where Clarice finds out where Buffalo Bill is. I'd hated for that to have been ruined for me. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, I only watched it for the first time about five years ago, so. It's been around for a long time before that, and I never got that scene ruined for me, and it was so impactful. So, you know... I mean, if you listen to this, it's already totally too late. You've already heard it. Yeah. But um, <laughs> if you haven't
0: seen it, I'd be very shocked. I'm, yeah. I'm sure most people have seen it. The this shit film. films we talk about, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to be put through feeders. <laughs> you know, listen to the podcast, listen to us take the piss, and, you know, leave it at that. But these, these horror classics that we've been through... I, a lot of them, watching it for the first time it is an experience yeah. that I, I wouldn't want anyone to miss out on. So we should probably have put this at the beginning of the podcast. So ah, people know what they're in for. So you, you to could us. pause and uh, go and watch it and then come back to us.
1: Well, that's it for Halloween
0: Classics. There that's our uh, four yes. films
1: done. We will be back in two days' time with a bonus episode where we will be talking about screen queens. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah! Really excited for that
1: one. It it's one of those. It's either going to be our shortest episode or our longest episode. There's going to be a
0: lot to talk about. I think. It's. I think we're going to have to be very specific, or we're going to go on masses and masses of tangents.
1: Yeah, Jodie Foster's not going to be on there because there's a difference between screen queens and just someone who starred in a horror film.
0: Yeah. No. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Which
1: I'm sure we'll do a strong female lead episode one day in the future. But uh, for now, we just wanted to get some out for you guys on uh, Halloween and uh, celebrate Halloween. We, yeah, we figured
0: we'd go with our uh, most talked about subjects. Yeah, yeah, we do, we talk about Slay Queens and Scream Queens a lot, so which is why we're going to have to really have a plan in place. Yeah. Or we're just going to keep going on and on and on and on and on. Which, but yeah. Which I'm never prone to doing, obviously.
1: okay (laughs) anyway um (laughs) yeah so that's it for this week so don't forget if you're listening on apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate review and subscribe uh anything cash listen to give us a like and follow uh again we are on youtube now as well if you want to go and subscribe to us on there uh we're on soundcloud and podbean and uh check us out on social media Court cool Trash over on Instagram and Facebook uh Court cool Trash on Twitter get in touch with us tell us what you think of Silence of the Lambs uh you know your interpretations of what's happened within the film and such you know we always want as much feedback as possible and
0: uh yeah I'm Gasmo 205 on Instagram GazCruise92 on Twitter I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram and Twitter so we will see you same. Ah! Shit, we won't see you same time, same no, place next week. We'll see you on Thursday!
1: <laughs> oh, this bonus episode's throwing me off. Uh-huh. See you on Thursday! Thanks for listening! Bye!